0: Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Peter Hostrosser. Hey, before we get into today's guest, please take a look at peterhostrosser.com or disrupteducation.co for all the happenings and things and tips and everything that's going on in the innovative education realm. Also, if you get a chance, take a look at getahallpass.com. It's a new company I co-founded with a couple of others, and we are a think tank in education uh, sign up for some very interesting things there today's guest is elizabeth bostwick she is all about igniting a culture of innovation and i am very happy to speak with her we'll have that conversation right after this
1: if you have a child who's passionate about getting into a really great college you take him to an sat coach if you have a child who's really passionate about playing basketball you take him to a basketball trainer. But if you have a kid whose passion is off-brand or is trying to find their passion and ignite it, you need to take him to Peter Hostrauser. When I was a junior in high school, I began making videos on YouTube. We're doing something in my small business management class that has never really been done before. It wasn't before long that I met Peter Hostrauser, the small business management teacher who helped put me on a course of entrepreneurship, one of which has been the most uplifting and passionate journeys of my life. Peter is a master at pinpointing passions and opening doors for the youth who need just one correct move to set them in the right direction. He will triple down on their strengths, help them build their network and portfolio, and most importantly, help them utilize these learning points so that they can make money with their passion to live their dream life. I, as well as many others, can honestly say that we wouldn't be where we are without his business and coaching expertise. If you're looking to help your student ignite their passion, contact Peter Haustrauser at phostdrauser at gmail.com.
0: The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Welcome to this episode of Disrupt Education. I'm Peter Hostraser, your host. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Elizabeth Bostwick. She's a multi-award-winning educator who is passionate about creating the conditions to spark curiosity and unleash creativity to empower learning. She's the author of Take the Leap, Ignite a Culture of Innovation and the co-author of Education Right Now, Volume 2, Top Strategies for Improving Relationships and Culture. As an instructional coach supporting K-12 educators, Elizabeth works alongside colleagues to deepen learning, leveraging highly effective strategies that engage and empower all learners to maximize growth. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Let us know a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. It's really great to be here. So with over 15 years of classroom experience, I transitioned to the role of an instructional coach just this past year. So it's been really great to work alongside so many phenomenal educators. And I also work as an innovative teaching and learning consultant and do keynote speaking. So um, it was just a few years back that I launched my own business called Inspire Innovation. So that's been exciting and just a journey that I've taken slowly over the course of time. And ultimately my goal as an educator is to inspire and support educators to create the conditions to empower meaningful learning. And when we do, we just see our learners thrive. And every child, as you know, has immense inner potential. And as educators, we have an amazing opportunity to help learners identify their strengths and interests that lead to passions. Um, in addition to that, I'm also a mom of two awesome boys. They're teenagers. So you know, if you're familiar with teens, they keep you on on your toes. So they're 13 and 15. And then uh, my husband, we met back in college years and years ago, but he serves as a, a principal at an intermediate school. So, um, yeah, we talk a lot of education at home and it's been kind of neat to watch what our boys pick up over the years. <laughs>
0: we'll be a little bit closer to them in this next couple of months because we're in the middle of a quarantine i have a a 15 year old and an 11 year old myself so totally get that teenage thing um (laughs) tell us a little bit about your educational path you mentioned that you met your husband in college what what has been your educational path so far
2: well, I'll start back with when I was a child, I really enjoyed learning, but I was always a maker and creator. You know, as a child, I would build forts with my neighborhood friends. Um, you know, that was just my thing that I liked to do. I liked creating and making. And one of my teachers, I remember being in second grade, and we were asked to create an invention that could do anything. And I remember that being the coolest project. And I think I only have a handful of teachers who really stand out that took a different way of of teaching and learning in the classroom and helped to empower what it is that we were doing. So as a child, I oftentimes felt just turned off by multiple choice assessments and compliance, compliance compliance-based work. Now, I know sometimes those are necessary, so I'm not saying that we shouldn't ever use multiple choice assessments or assignments, but, you know, for me as a kid, it was just really easy to zone out, and no one ever noticed because I was the type of kid that I looked attentive on the surface. So, you know, people would not know that I wasn't necessarily tuning into what it is that we were doing unless they had a conversation with me. But a lot of what I went through was direct instruction. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of classes though, that over the years that when I went through my high school, middle school years, even that just sparked more motivation with me. And they were the ones that really empowered meaningful learning. For example, I took photography classes that incorporated artistry, psychology, and learning how the brain functions. Um, My favorite classes were always the ones that had Opportunities for projects. I don't know that it was quite project based learning, but they were more project based and they were collaborative. And I also really liked the ones that allowed for flexibility and autonomy. Now, fast forward, I go to college, and you know, as an 18 year old, some of us get to that point and we know exactly what we want to do, and we may change our minds, we may stick with it. Well, in my situation, I went to college and I was super excited to go to college, but I was definitely going through a stage in my life where. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Here I was 18 and I felt like everyone else knew what they wanted to do and I didn't have an idea. I didn't have any clue what I wanted to do. To me, it seemed overwhelming to think, okay, I had to pick something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I always heard that saying that you want to make sure that whatever you do is something that you love. And I'll be honest with you, Peter, I never, ever thought that I would go into education. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I can tell you me neither, to be honest. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I don't a lot of people I talk to share about how they would play being a teacher when they were children. And I think I did do that from time to time um, with some of my neighborhood friends. But I think some of my experiences and I'm not saying all that I would never knock anybody, any educators, because I think everybody does the best that they know how to do. um, And and I think sometimes we do what's always been done and what we're most familiar with. So with that said, a lot of my experiences did feel negative. Like it didn't seem like something I wanted to go back and do as an individual myself. However, I will say that I started taking more and more psychology classes. And around that time, my husband and I met and he was already in the education major. Mm -hmm. And I started looking through some of what he was doing. And I just saw an opportunity that maybe I could do something with that that would be different. Mm -hmm. And so instead of looking at it, like I was going back to education and doing something that I didn't want to do, I was thinking in my mind that, hey, this is an opportunity to shake things up and do something different. So I ended up graduating with my bachelor's degree in education with a minor in psychology of the exceptional child. And then I got my master's degree with a focus in math and science, Mm. but yeah. And when it even comes to um, just learning informally, I just, I'm the kind of person that just enjoys opportunities to be self-taught. I Mm. like working alongside others. I like having mentors, but I guess for me, learning just has to feel authentic and meaningful.
0: Coming up after the break, Elizabeth is going to tell us a little bit more about what she would do to change the educational system. Hang tight with us. We'll be right back after this. I want to take a moment and talk a little bit about Hall Pass Education. The mission of Hall Pass Education is to provide individuals the empowerment they need and desire to be successful in their future business and careers. This empowerment will be achieved via affordable training, coaching, and partnerships. Basically, at Hall Pass, we're going to partner with others like you. To demonstrate to creatives the path to career freedom through focused and intensive dialogue and coaching that you might not have previously realized. Head over to getahallpass.com and sign up for more. That's getahallpass.com and sign up. It's totally free. Check it out. that's so disrupt education it's funny our paths are pretty similar although I didn't jump right into education as quick as you but it did I did have that feeling right you go into college and you're like uh this is supposed to be the rest of your life, and it's very overwhelming. I love your your lens on on education, on on how to kind of become. You have to own it, and it's a little bit different than the check marks, um, and you know just to just your regular A B C D test. Now, I love the fact that you mentioned, and I believe that as well, that you don't have to get rid of all that, but there has to be something in addition to that. So, with that all being said. Um, Can you talk a little bit about maybe if you were in power to create an education, you know, system, what would you change uh, that from now until like whatever you're creating? What would be the big maybe one or two changes in education that you you would see being the most helpful?
2: Well, you know, I think our schools ought to be places where students explore, inquire and just unleash creative thinking within a supportive and collaborative environment. So, For me, I would love to see, I mean, already I think our schools are ecosystems that they're they're little communities of their own. And I think that I would love to see more partnership with businesses, local businesses and experts in communities, um, more connecting outside of the four walls of the classroom using platforms such as Zoom or Google Hangouts to be able to bring other people to our students, right? I don't think we need to be so isolated in a classroom or within our school building. And if we can't leave the building, we can bring people to us in this day and age, which is awesome. I also think that learning should be meaningful and impactful. So I'm a huge advocate of project-based learning, um, but also makerspace or design thinking. Mm -hmm. And so I think that whenever we can provide those opportunities for students to be and I, I think that sometimes we get into, okay, well, here's a problem or a project and we engage our kids in it and that, that can be great, but anytime it can be truly authentic. So if we give the our students the opportunity to be problem finders, so for example, identifying what problems exist in our school or within our community, or what do we see um, in the bigger picture of maybe our state or our country, it could be at any level. But when we help them identify what the problems are, I think that's where they get they become invested because now the work that they're doing feels that they're having an impact, a direct impact on Mm -hmm. something, and and they have a purpose for their work. And I think even kids as young as five years old can feel like they're making an impact and have a purpose. They're not just consuming information. Now, with that said, I do think we have to consume information um, in order to be knowledgeable and, and develop those skills. So I think there needs to be that balance, but I think the more and more that we can find avenues for our kids to be those critical thinkers and problem solvers, I think the more um, we're going to see education really thrive in today's world.
0: I think um, I I love the fact that you're looking at like bringing in business at a younger age. I think we don't really think a younger person can handle the things that they can really handle and i I, I like that lens have you seen any of this in you know bits and pieces in in your experiences and and if so like what what are some of the places where you've seen little projects like this or big projects work
2: uh oh for sure and you know i think that's what's really inspiring is that we can think about it in so many ways. We can think about it as in some schools are very traditional still. But I think what we have to do is focus on what is going well and where where do we see the change happening and, and where is the impact? Because there are so many amazing educators who are out there doing awesome things. So really highlighting that work is important. And um, I've seen everything from people working and partnering with local zoos to mm-hmm bring the students in and be able to go through and identify what could be changed or what could be updated. Um, Even incorporating fun runs to raise money for the zoo and making it a working partnership. Mm. Um, We've also seen local engineering companies partner with schools to be able to work through projects with one another and designing. So I think those are really great too. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunities for, Partnerships to happen and just authentic learning in the classroom.
0: Tell us a little bit about igniting a culture of innovation. You're you're an author. You've co-authored books, um, and what you provide. So talk talk a little bit about who Elizabeth is on that realm and the leap.
2: Absolutely. So I wrote a book, Take the Leap, Ignite a Culture of Innovation, and the goal of the book was really to inspire and support educators to take steps to grow beyond traditional and self-imposed boundaries, because I think a lot of times we think, oh, I can't do that or I can't make this happen because of the mandates or the curriculum. And I think there's so many more things that we can do, even small shifts in the classroom. And so this book includes strategies to help educators challenge conventional thinking and then create the conditions that empower meaningful learning. And so LEAP is actually an acronym and it stands for a luminous culture. So we shine a light on every individual's creative potential. And then empowering learning is the E. We want to encourage students to take ownership of their education. The A is for authenticity and learning. So it's ta- tapping into passions to create relevant learning experiences. And ultimately, we want potential to soar. So the P is for potential. And we want to ignite a movement of inspired, confident learners. And, you know, um, with the book in mind, it, it really is – the goal is to be able to support educators in the journey. So within I share about um, project-based learning, passion projects, design thinking, makerspace. It sounds like a lot on the surface when I say that, mm-hmm. um, but the reality is that it is it, it doesn't provide exactly how to do every single one of those, but rather it shows how you can take elements from each of the, of each that I mentioned, yeah. and how you can take those overlapping elements and infuse them in the classroom. So for example, all of them incorporate autonomy, mm-hmm. um, student voice, and um, choice in there, and also infusing curiosity, yeah. collaboration, communication, and and I do go into the six C's of reimagining learning within the book too. Mm-hmm. So I really work with teachers to, to help them understand that if you want to do project-based learning, it doesn't have to be the entire school year. Ideally, that would be amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But even if you attend a school or go to a school that has project-based learning and they say I'm a project-based learning school, there's still moments where they do direct instruction. There's Mm -hmm. still small groups. So all the good practices that we know that work, you still use them in in everyday life um, within a project-based learning setting. Mm -hmm. So I help teachers to understand that you could do a project within a week or two. You could take your your current curriculum and integrate everything within there. Um, Same thing with Makerspace. So you can tie that into social studies or science or even math or ELA. Um, So it's really helping people to understand the connections and and how it doesn't have to be one or the other, but it's really looking at what we're doing in a more creative way.
0: One last question. We're in quarantine (laughs) Uh, right now. Um, What are some suggestions, maybe one or two suggestions uh, to, you know, as an educator myself, uh, some of us were prepared for e-learning, some of us were not. Um, and also you know students um, you know one thing on the on the educator side that maybe they can try to focus on and then maybe something like we have teens what what could they possibly focus on in this quarantine from an expert like you
2: well I, I think it's diff- it's a difficult time to be a parent and an educator through this entire situation yeah. yes. um, being home with two teenagers you know I, I know I myself I shared a blog post that, Provided different resources for schedules. Mm -hmm. Now, when I share that and propose that with my 15 and 13 year olds, they (laughs) balked it. You're like, "Are you crazy?" (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I said, "No, this is a framework, and I want you to take a schedule or a routine. I called it like this, Mm -hmm. and I want you to see what could you create of your own within reason. You know, really giving them that opportunity to be able to design their own day." But I wanted them to understand some of the things that we need within our day just to be healthy, right? Mm. Um, Now, in their schools, they are not continuing learning. They can only do review. Mm. And nothing is being graded at this time. So I don't know if that will change the longer we're quarantined. I'm not sure what that will look like. So, you know, I think as um, both a parent and an educator, I just really encourage both teachers and parents to remember that each day is going to look a little different. Mm -hmm. Um, our kids behave differently for us than they do their teachers sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I think it's just important to give each other grace and remember this is a transition period and it is a great opportunity though for our kids. Yes, they may have assignments from school, but maybe they can dive into some things that they're interested in. Yeah. So I know that my oldest son, Julian is going to be, it just came today, um, the first lesson from Don Wetrick, and they are free right now, um, but it's for innovation and entrepreneurship. And so he's giving little projects through there. So it's things that he wouldn't have had the opportunity to do if he were in school. So maybe your child likes to cook, or maybe they don't even know that they like to cook, and they could have opportunities to do that. So, um, but I think as educators too, we have to keep in mind that not all of our students are coming from the same place. Yeah. Um, my boys, I'm here. My husband is a principal, he's home too. So we can keep tabs and, and we know different resources to be able to provide yeah. but we have to remember that not all families are the same some of our students right now are turning into caretakers for their for their own siblings yeah um some of them are going day by day not knowing if they have food so i think just keeping in mind that um everybody's in a different situation and we want to do everything we can to support one another and um, taking time for self-care too is, yeah. is critical for everybody
0: yeah excellent advice thank you so much where can people find you and how can people connect with you elizabeth
2: Absolutely. Well, you can go to my website, elizabethbostwick.com, and you'll find links to all my social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, and I'm on LinkedIn. So yeah, you can my Twitter handle and go from there. Now, my website, it's ElizabethBostwick.com, but just one hitch is that my name is Elizabeth with an S instead of a Z, so I've been saying that since I was a child. (laughs) It's a European spelling. We'll
0: put all that information up down here. Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking time uh, for us at Disrupt Education and uh, putting your expertise out there. and it, we are in a very big time of change. And, it, and it's great to know innovators in education who, you know, are the design thinkers and can help others uh, in this transition. So thank you.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do in the field of education and to your wife, too. All
0: right. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you on Disrupt Education.